Name labels. Uh, we're still quite new here, and so most Sundays I've got a name label and no one else has. So it's nice that the, the playing field is level and we can get to know one another's names. We'll think a little bit more about why we're wearing them and a bit more about the sermon series that we're starting this morning. And that's why I'm going to say a little bit before we come to hear God's word read from Hebrews. So just to begin, hands up if you know when your birthday is. All of us. Yeah, mine's November the 1st, if anyone's interested. I enjoy coffee, books, Nando's, just think about that. Um, harder question. Hands up if you know exactly which day of the week you were born. Still a few of us, but I, I actually didn't. I had to look it up. Because actually, the day of the week you were born isn't really that important. I don't know about you, I care about the day when the presents come, and that's a different day of the week every year. So that's not the bit I care about. And that's usually the way with important dates. Maybe we know the year if it's a really big thing. We, we sometimes know that the month, that the day of the month, but the day of the week, not always that important. But you know, there is one exception, and it is today. Sunday, and every Sunday, is a special day, and not like any other day, because one Sunday, nearly 2,000 years ago, God changed everything forever. Here's what happened. Some of Jesus' friends who had seen him killed on a cross went to his tomb on a Sunday and found he wasn't there and then discovered him alive again. And as his friends and followers gathered that first Sunday, Jesus came to be with them, to make them glad with his finished work on the cross and his unstoppable risen life and to speak to them words of peace through the Holy Spirit. And that was not a one-off. Every Sunday since, that is what Christians got in the habit of doing. We can read in Acts and in some of Paul's letters how Christians were gathering on the first day of the week. And so they have ever since all the way down to today, like we're doing right now. Why? Because even though he isn't with us in his body but has ascended to heaven, Jesus still comes to be with us as we gather on the first day of the week through the Holy Spirit. He still comes to make us glad with his finished work on the cross and his unstoppable risen life. He still speaks to us his word of peace through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're starting a new sermon series, Any Given Sunday. It's about ordinary things that we do, some of them Sunday by Sunday, quite regularly. Things we do and how Jesus meets us through them. Things like preaching, baptism, Holy Communion, we'll think about. People have called these the ordinary means of grace. That's what we'll be thinking about. And this morning, we're looking at the most basic one of those there is, the one that all of us are doing right here, right now, and it's gathering. So do grab your Bibles. Annette's going to come up, and we're going to hear from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. So the reading is from Hebrews 10, um, starting at verse 19 to verse 25, which can be found on the pew, in the Pew Bibles on page 1208, 1208. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have 
a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Thank you so much, Annette. And do please keep those words open as we come to reflect on them together. Let me pray. Almighty God, you call us together and you speak your life-giving word. Now we pray in the power of your spirit, speak through the words we have just heard read so that we might become more like your son, Jesus, that we might grow together as his mature body whom you have gathered. We ask it in his name and for your glory. Amen. We're landing in the letter to the Hebrews, and here's the backstory. This seems to be a church community who came from a Jewish background and started following Jesus, and yet things became difficult for them. There was pressure, there was opposition, and as things got harder, they found themselves tempted to give up on Jesus, maybe to go back to the things they had known where there had been less pressure. And this whole letter is saying, don't do that. Don't give up on Jesus. Everything God has ever said or done is fulfilled in him. As we just heard in that reading, one of the things they were tempted to do as part of giving up on Jesus was giving up on meeting together with other believers in Jesus, giving up on church. See that in verse 25? That's the habit of some of them. They're not meeting together. And the writer is warning us not to do that. Why? I have two reasons for us this morning. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. We get together. Don't miss out on the privilege. Don't miss out on the privilege. Our world is full of lonely, disconnected people who are longing for belonging. That's why all the adverts you see on TV are using that to sell you stuff. Buy this phone. Get this recipe book. Because when you do, then you'll finally connect to your friends and family, and you won't be so lonely anymore. And you know what? The adverts work. We go and buy that stuff. Why? Because the thing is, even though sometimes we might like being on our own, we were not made to be lonely and disconnected. We were made by God for God, for the real life that only comes when we're connected to him and to one another. And the Bible says the root cause of why we're lonely and disconnected is that we've cut God out of our lives, and that's why we're left apart from him. And that means that life is full of dead ends. Maybe we try to live without God, and therefore without hope, dead end. Or maybe we know there is a God, but we're trying to get to him through the good things we do, and we find dead end. But as you heard in that reading, there is good news. In fact, there's hope. I love this. Look at verse 20 if you can see it. In Jesus, there is a new and living way. 
a new and living way through Jesus, which means that life doesn't have to be a dead end. Because through Jesus' finished work on the cross, he is the perfect sacrifice, paying the price for all we've done wrong. And through his unstoppable risen life, he is the perfect priest who is able to bring us back to God. And that means that the new and living way back to God is not about us going to a special place so we can try and feel close to him. And it's not about us keeping the rules so that somehow we're good enough. It's about coming to God through Jesus and all he's done for us by dying for us and rising again. What does that mean? Well, in our reading, we saw three things that means. And glance down and you'll see them. Verse 22, it means that we should draw near to God with faith as those who've been cleansed inside and out. It means, verse 20, sorry, 23 I mean now, that we hold unswervingly to hope because the God who promised is faithful. And it means, verse 24, that we should consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Do you notice that faith, hope, and love? That's what the Christian life is all about. But did you also notice, if you're looking down, each one, it says, let us do these things. This isn't something you can do all on your own or as an isolated individual. This is something we are called to do together. And that's where church comes in. See, when Jesus brings us back to God, it's not just connection to him that's restored, but wonderfully, he brings us back to one another. Connection between you and me is restored as well. Jesus has not saved us to be disconnected and lonely no, he makes us part of his people, part of God's people. We get to gather. Don't miss out on the privilege. It is a privilege that we get to draw near to God and do so as part of his people. And that's why we come to church. Now, I'm going to need three volunteers, so be brave. You don't have to say anything. You just need to stand and hold something. I will start naming people to come up if you don't beat me to it. Three volunteers. Great, I see one, wonderful, I see two, great, come on, come on, one more. Thank you, I see a hand up, fantastic, come on up, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Now, here we go. I want you guys to stand, one, two, three, in any order, that's okay. Great, over here, one, two, three, brilliant. Uh, you stand there, thank you very much. Now, I used to think it was a bit like this. Can you hold that up, nice and high, excellent. Thank you, Mark, can you hold that? And uh, thank you, that one. So I thought it was a bit like this. In fact, can you come a little bit close to me just here? Just you? One, two. I thought what you had to do was you had to go to church so that you could have access to God, be near him and enjoy him. And that's why people went to church, right? That's what you have to do. But look again at Hebrews 2. Look down at it now and you'll see the call to gather doesn't come at the start. It comes at the end as a result of what Jesus has done, which basically means that I want you to swap place with you. Can you do that? And Mark, you stay in the middle. Great, swap places. Thank you. This is what Hebrews 10 is actually telling us. In and through Jesus, we have access to God. He has brought us near. And he's made us part of God's people. Because of that, we go to church. So that together like this, Sunday by Sunday, we can enjoy together the access we have with God. Not just as isolated individuals, but all together. Because he's brought us near we go to church, which means, yes, going to church every week doesn't make you a Christian, but if you are a Christian who's been brought near by God, to God by Jesus, you will go to church. Thank you so much. Do you want to guys have a big clap, put, put your signs down? Fantastic. 
Excellent. And you can head on down. That's great. Just leave them on the floor. Wonderful. Thank you. Brilliant. It is a privilege to gather like this as part of God's people. And let me tell you why. It's such an amazing privilege because what do you think is happening right now in God's presence? Right now, there is a heavenly gathering of angels and saved believers gathered around God's throne, singing and praising him in joy. There is fellowship. There is worship. It is a glorious thing. And did you know, when we gather like this week by week, we are actually a part of that. When we gather like this, we're getting a taste of that. Here on a Sunday, we have a little preview of the coming day, verse 25, is talking about. And can I say, on our own, that is not something we can ever experience. Today, you've humored me by wearing your name labels, and that will help us remember one another's names, perhaps learn them for the first time. But can I tell you, if you are trusting Jesus, your name is not just written on a label, it's actually written in heaven because of all he's done. And so as you look around and see each other's name labels, don't just remember who they are, Remember the privilege that if we're trusting Jesus, we together are part of God's people. We together belong with him. Can I tell you who doesn't get to wear name labels? Persecuted Christians, thousands and thousands of them all around the world who could never be identified for following Jesus. And they would love to be able to come to church on Sunday like this. They can only dream of being in a building like this set aside for God's worship of being able to gather publicly here every Sunday. They can only dream of open Bibles that they don't have to hide for fear of being discovered. Can only dream of praising God out loud, as loud as they can. And if we could talk to one of our brothers and sisters from the persecuted church today, they would be telling us what a privilege we have to be able to gather like this Sunday by Sunday. And you know, they would be right. We get to gather. Don't miss out on the privilege. Before I tell you my next reason, we're going to stand and sing. Uh, and this song, We Are the Church, gives us an opportunity to remember the privilege it is that in Jesus we have access to God as part of his people, and as we sing, to thank God in our hearts for that privilege, and to look around at one another and thank God that we get to be part of it together. Let's stand and sing. the world began, God made a master plan to bring all things together under one head. That head is Jesus Christ, who died and rose to life, and now he's seated at the right hand of God. Once we were dead in sin, now we are raised within by grace we're saved through faith in jesus alone part of his body now united by his power joined with his people all, all over the world we are the church have you heard he watched us clean with his word he chose us to be honest, we are more loved than we 
could dream. We've got good news. Shout it now. You've got to hear what it's all about. No one's too far away to be welcomed into God's family. Speaking the truth in love, we build the body up. We serve each other using gifts from the King. We pray for unity, so everyone will see God's plan in action in His people today. We are the church, have you heard? He washed us clean. With his word, he chose us to be on his team. We are more love than we can dream. We've got good news, shout it out. You've got to hear what it's all about. No one's too far away to be welcomed into God's family. We are one in Christ, one hope, one truth, one cross, one Savior, one mission, one future. We are one in Christ. We are the church. Have you heard? He washed us clean with His blood. He chose us to be on His team. We are more love than we could dream. We've got good news. Shout it out, you've got to hear what it's all about. No one's too far away to be welcomed into God's family. Wonderful. Do please grab a seat. We get together. Don't miss out on the privilege. And I have a second thing for us to see, and it's this. We've got to gather. Don't give up on how we grow. See, meeting together is not just a privilege from the Lord. It's also how he set things up so we can grow. I brought in a couple of things from my house to show you today. Uh, Look at this lovely pot plant. My wife has loads of them. She grows them. I kill them. What do you think? (laughs) I wish that weren't a joke. What do you think this plant needs to grow and thrive? Shout it out. Sun, water, yeah, those key, yeah, soil, that kind of thing. That's what this plant needs. So what do you think will happen to it if I decide the best place for this plant is right here in this downstairs cabinet that is also from my house and shut the door? What do you think is going to happen to it? Any thoughts? Die. Thank you for whoever said that. Great word to shout out loud in church, isn't it? It's, it's not actually going to die straight away, not for a little while, but what is going to happen is... It won't get the light it needs, it won't get the water it needs, and it won't be able to survive pretty soon. And in the end, it it will die. We won't be able to see that plant live and grow. And the Bible says that gathering together on a Sunday, it's not just a privilege we enjoy, but it's also how we grow. It's like sunlight to a plant, it's like rain to its leaves, it's what we need if we're gonna keep growing together. It's not just something we get to do, 
It's something we've got to do as well. Have a look at verse 25. Let me read that out. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging one another. I sometimes think that word is overused among a certain kind of Christian, and we say encouraging when we basically mean good. How's that talk? Encouraging. How's the weekend away? Encouraging. You went out for lunch, how was it? Oh, the roast chicken was very encouraging. (laughs) To the point where you should think, well, just say good if that's what you mean. Because the word encourage is a really precious word. Have a look down at it. And can you see how it's got the word courage in it? Because when you encourage me, you put courage into me. Courage to face up to what's wrong in the world and in my life. Courage to keep going when things are hard. Courage to tell the truth when it would be easier to lie or when I'm surrounded by lies. That encouraging is what we need. And that's why we can't give up on gathering. Because being together is a key ingredient to being able to encourage one another, to put that courage into one another. We've got to gather. Because if you're not here on a Sunday, then you can't encourage me. You can't point me back to Jesus when I'm getting it wrong. You can't Tell me to keep going, following him when I'm finding things hard. And if I'm not here on a Sunday, I can't do that for you. We need each other. A German Christian from the last century, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, once wrote this. He said, a Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to them. For by ourselves, we cannot help ourselves. The Christ in our own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of our brother or sister. That's a funny way of putting it, but do you know what he means? On my own, my grip on Jesus can feel really loose, and I get so weak and so easily discouraged, and it feels like the easiest thing to give up. But then when you come and speak the good news of Jesus to me, it is as if Jesus is speaking through your words to put courage into my heart so that I can keep on going. That's the encouragement I need because I'm not strong enough to do this without you and you're not strong enough to do this without me. I need your encouragement the same way that plant needs light and water and you need mine. And if we give up on gathering together, then we'll be like that plant shut away in the cupboard, missing out on what we need to grow. We've got to gather. And that's why all of us have a ministry. In that song, we sang that we serve one another with gifts from the king. That word ministry means service, and a minister is a servant. And sometimes in church, we can talk as if only some people are our ministers and only some people have ministry. No, the Bible tells us all of us have ministry, and here is the basic one that all of us have. Men and women, old and young, all of us have this ministry of showing up and speaking up to encourage one another Sunday by Sunday. That's what we all get to do, and it's a wonderful ministry. I don't know uh, this church very well yet. I already know how hard it is for some of us to come here Sunday by Sunday, and actually that it's a sacrifice of time and energy. Can I just say, you even coming here lifts the rest of us. What a ministry. The ministry of encouraging one another means speaking out how good God is in the words we sing and say. 
It means after our time up here over coffee, saying my seven favorite words to hear in any church conversation. Why don't we pray about that now? That ministry of encouragement is something all of us are called to do because we need that kind of encouragement from one another. And it can't happen at a distance. And it can't happen over a screen. Don't we remember how hard it was during the pandemic not being able to gather and encourage one another fully and face to face? We've got to gather. Don't give up on how we grow. And this is where the rubber hits the road for us. Because if we're taking the Bible seriously, that will mean making Sunday with his people a priority over and above the other things going on in our lives. And that'll be hard to hear. Why? It's because of an attitude a lot of us share. Do you remember how I said our world is full of lonely people who are disconnected? The root reason for that, of course, is that we've turned away from God. But, but there's something else going on that makes that a lot worse for all of us. And it's this. We tend to go through life thinking that everything in life, well, it's all a big shop, and I'm the customer, and the customer is always right. So if there's something that I don't really like at the moment, or it's just a bit tricky and I don't want it, then I'm not going to get it. If there's something else that I'd rather have, well, that's what I'm having instead. Life's a big shop, I'm the customer, and the customer is always right. But the problem with that attitude is that it doesn't work very well for relationships with people who are not things you buy and sell. And you won't ever be really connected to people with the kind of community you're longing for if you aren't really committed to them. And if we come to Sunday acting like it's one of the products in the big shop and I'm the customer, then we will end up missing out in so many ways. Now, it's not my job to try and make anyone feel guilty, but it is my job to pass on this warning from God's word. God has set things up so that we will only grow as we gather together to encourage one another. If we give up on Sundays together as his people, if we give up on making Sunday a priority and choose something else instead, then we will be like that plant in the dark, starved of what we really need to keep going. Don't let this become your habit, like verse 25 is talking about. We've got to gather. Don't give up on how we grow. And of course, sometimes something extraordinary will come up that keeps us from gathering with God's people on Sunday. Maybe we're really unwell one week. Maybe we have a shift pattern. We work at the hospital. It's just not possible to be there that time. But this is about our hearts and our attitude. When that happens and we can't make it, do we think to ourselves, oh, well, that's fine. No big deal. We should never think like that. Because gathering is a big deal. It's such a privilege to be part of God's people. We should think, oh no, please God, can I be there next week? Because this is how God has chosen to grow us. And if we're struggling with whether church really is worth coming to this week instead of that other thing, just imagine what one of our brothers or sisters from North Korea or Somalia in a persecuted church would say to us if they could be here. Imagine what they would say about the privilege it is to gather and the priority that should be. And they'd be right, wouldn't they? We get to gather. Don't miss out on the privilege of being part of God's people. We've got to gather. Don't give up on, on me. I won't give up on you so that we can grow. Let me pray.
Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, that in your kindness, you haven't just brought us back to you, but made us part of your people. You've given us to one another. I pray that in the power of your spirit, we would feel the privilege that is, and we would recognize and rejoice in how you use that to grow us. Please, Lord, (coughs) as we gather, open our lips to encourage one another. Help us do that ministry you've given us all, that we, your people, might grow to the mature body of Christ and bring you glory. We pray it in your son's name. Amen.